Are you a mill? Post mill? Pre mill? Dispensational pre-mill. What are you today on Life Talks? We're going to be talking about the millennium. No, not the millennium falcon. We're talking about the millennium, meaning the thousand-year reign of Jesus. It's in the Bible, people. And it's uh, it's a source of interpretation, contention, debate that's been going on for a thousand years. Shocking. (laughs) Shocking. Um, I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor here at Life Fellowship Church. I'm here with Josh, our producer at Life Talks. Mm -hmm. And... Josh, we're in eschatology. Yep. We are, um, you know, we talked about Jesus's return is going to be sudden. It's going to be visible. It's going to happen bodily. And there's all these signs that will precede it. Yep. What we're trying to do today is talk about, okay, we know that's going to happen. And then how and when that happens, that's up for debate. So we're going to look at the millennium because when it comes to that thousand year reign, yeah. a lot of people have some debate on when does that really happen? Yeah. And and this kind of goes back to the conversation we had during our ecclesiology conversation. Hmm. What what role in relationship does the church have with Israel? So much of what you believe about that. Yeah. So much of what you believe about the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, the new covenant that we see in scripture, how those are fulfilled really comes down to what you believe about the millennium. Hmm. Okay. So- you can't just, I know some people are like, well, it's in, just read the Bible. Just just read the Bible. And I'm like, I, I, we're all reading the Bible. Every time I hear someone say that, it's like, there's, there's really, what, what I find interesting, and this is, this is when I went to seminary and we talked about this, and I, I went to a dispensational premillennial school, which means I went to, I was, I was theologically trained out of school that taught me that Jesus's return will happen in two phases. There will be a rapture of the church mm-hmm. where we will, where all the Christians on the planet will go up into heaven. There will be a seven year period by which God, the great tribulation, the antichrist, Israel is kind of restored in, in a way. And then Jesus returns at the end of seven years. Yeah. And that's the beginning of a millennial reign of Jesus. Right. So that's how I was educated. That's how I grew up. That's how I assumed that's what everyone that's believed. That's how all the Christian kids I mean, my age on. were educated if I left behind. Well, this yeah, is exa- what we all exactly. know. Exactly. And so what, what I realized is, um, and when I went to seminary and they would teach you, like I had classes called premillennial dispensationalism. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get to really learn about <laughs> these kinds of things. And then when you take the class and you're trying to learn about the other viewpoints, and I remember asking, well, what Bible verses do they use to back up their beliefs? Because I'm right. reading my, and I'm, interpreting my things right. and they're like oh they use the same verses and i'm like <laughs> wait oh time out <laughs> so you're telling me because i you, you learn this as a christian like show them the bible right show them the bible right. verse and you'll you'll be able to explain everything yeah and then you're like so wait a second they use the It'll same never return void <laughs> yeah you're telling me that they're using the same bible references as i am yeah. yes yes they just view it completely differently yeah Oh, this is where you get into issues of hermeneutics. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, yeah, it's it's one of these things where you have to really know what you believe about the covenants. What do you believe about the church in Israel? These are all things that go into. So when you get to the Book of Revelation, I thought you know all of Revelation is this future kind of story and if cryptic language there's a lot of things going on with yep. trumpets and bowls and woes and uh supernatural events like crazy and mm-hmm. i was i just read it as kind of like a book 
that you would like, this is a future book that's going to happen. And then yeah. you realize, oh no, some people interpret that in a very different way, hmm. that these are things that have already happened and that will happen in cycles over and over and over again. Really? Yeah. There's, there's all different kinds I of, haven't heard that yeah. One. So there's all different kinds of interpretations to the, to the book of revelation, the huh. apocalypse of John. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, so even how you approach the book is going to influence how you interpret the book. And so everyone, here's the thing you've got to understand. Everyone has presuppositions. Everyone has presuppositions. And what your presupposition is will tell you how you interpret these kinds of things. I share that. What I'm not saying is, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe. No, I do think it matters what you believe. I do think that, though, just you got to remember that every, there are good Christians that believe in every four of these Yes. Major camp. So don't think that I think a lot of Christians, and I find this a lot with with Christians that were my grandparents' age and my parents' age. Mm-hmm. Okay. So World War II generation yep. and to my to baby boomers, they made eschatology almost like a man, if you if you don't align with me and and my my eschatology, I don't I'm I will I will doubt your salvation. Right. That to me was really extreme. Yeah. That's just not necessary. Yeah. I think my generation was the first generation to really start questioning. I'm not sure if I really believe yeah. all these kinds of things. And so, uh, and I know we got into a little bit this, with this with Dan and in our ecclesiology series, but you know, I came to an evolution of my own. I started dispensational. I probably land somewhere in between of classical premillennial. I remember when we did our Daniel series, about now 16 months ago when I was sharing, I did a huge graphic on the screen when I was preaching through Daniel and I said, here's the four major viewpoints. I went through all of these. Yeah. So I actually thought about, do I just pull the clip from right. the sermon and just plug it in here? And because I've already, we've already taught on this before at this church, but um, yeah, there, there's what I would say is I put money down. If I was to put money down on things, yeah. like if I have a hundred dollars, right. how much money am I putting on each of these things? Right. To be true. Right. So let me go through these four. Yeah. And I'll tell you where I put my money on, how I split up my, my money on these things. So um, Revelation chapter 20, you have this description of Jesus returning mm-hmm. and him reigning for a thousand years. So the first major interpretation of this passage is what people call the amillennial position. There's no literal 1,000 years. This 1,000 years was meant that Jesus, when it says that Jesus is reigning, what it means is... When he rose from the grave and when he sat at the throne, at the right hand of the throne of the Father, as it says that in Acts chapter 2, that he is reigning. That that this idea of the at the end of chapter 19 is starts another cycle of 2021, 20, 22 in the book of Revelation to tell you what's already been happening. So this reign of Jesus has been happening. The thousand years is merely a symbolic number meant right. that Jesus is reigning fully. Right. That Satan is bound right now. So because we know in the thousand-year reign that Satan is bound Hmm. within the thousand years. And so Christ has conquered death. He's conquered Satan. We have that language even in the New Testament. So therefore, this reign that is happening, that we this church age is the millennium. Okay? That's why amillennial means no millennium, no literal thousand years. And what at some point. And the we don't know if it happened could happen today, it could happen tomorrow, that at some point Jesus will return, the resurrection of both believers and non-believers will happen, the judgment 
of non-believers and believers will happen. And then they will all enter into the eternal state, new heaven, new earth, like a fire. All millennials really have the, like you see the chart of like future events. It's really simple. Hmm. I mean, it's like two left turns and you're done. <laughs> okay. You, have you seen those eschatological <laughs> charts, you know, that people have? No. Okay. So if you, if you look up dispensational, there's all kinds of like, there's all kinds of crazy stuff happening. Yeah. Um, all millennials are really just really simple. Um, typically, this was a viewpoint that that was uh, really popular back in the um, uh, Middle Ages. Okay, you have you have historically you have historic premillennialism premillennialism that was popular from the time of the disciples till about the time of Augustine. Hmm. From the time of Augustine till about the time of the Enlightenment, you have amillennialism being the predominant viewpoint of the church. Okay. The next viewpoint is you have postmillennialism. Postmillennialism is this idea that the church age that's that that we have here that Jesus instituted at Pentecost that we will usher in the kingdom. We'll usher in the the we'll usher in the millennium I should say. That the whole role of the church is to make the world more Christian. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that will not everyone will be a Christian, right. but just like there were laws um, that Israel had with morality that we as the church, as the new Israel, will establish godly moral laws um, that that will take over the world. And so yeah. we will we will prepare the world so that Jesus, when Jesus returns, it's he's going to be like, oh, you've already done most of the work. Let me just finish it off for you. So then these people are probably going to be more likely to be into like, creating theocracies oh, right now and things 100%. like that. hundred percent. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, this, and actually, so this this belief really took off in the Enlightenment. What was the driving force of the Enlightenment? I don't know. Mankind is becoming better, hmm. right? Like this belief that we are discovering things and mm-hmm. it, it almost drove the modern, the modern missions movement. When you look at all the missions that took place in the 18th century, 19th century, it was driven by this, philosophical, theological view that we are going to Christianize the world, hmm. okay? And so um, the great mission societies of America and in England and in and, and Europe- the big universities here, would that be like an yes, example of that? Yes, we're, yeah. going to, we're going to educate, the, I mean, the Sunday school, the public school system, it was all about so that people could read the Bible and we're going to just, we're going to make the world a better place. And because we want Jesus to return, Jesus cannot return until we have done our job. Yeah. So people don't realize, man, there's, again, there is a motivation behind some of these things. Yeah. So post-millennialism was really popular, I would say, between, you know, late 1600s, early 1700s, right till about World War I and II. Hmm. World War I and II pretty much destroyed post-millennialism. <laughs> you know why? No. Because you have these massive world wars where tens of millions of people were slaughtered and, and still killed. Jesus did a return. And it was no what, what the point was is no, we're not actually getting better. After oh. all of these after all this time, after all these years, we have we have the potential that with technology yeah. to destroy the we world. We saw the Holocaust. We saw the Holocaust. Yeah. No, yeah. man is not getting better. Yeah. And so what what you see um kind of coming into fruition and really around the 1850s 1860s, 1870s, you see this idea of this of of dispensationalism. The idea that no, there's going to be this rapture. You never see the idea of a rapture ever, ever 
in any in any in any um, uh, theologian, in any church father, nowhere. I mean, there there's one. They have one kind of guy that mentions something around the 400s that mentions something like that could be interpreted like this. Okay. But I'm talking in the hundreds and thousands of theologians and pastors and sermons and pre. You get get what I'm saying? Yeah. There's never this idea of a pre-trib rapture yeah. anywhere. And around the 1850, a guy by the name of John Darby comes up with this idea that no, that the coming of Jesus, just like. Um, Jesus established a two a two phase implementation of his kingdom that he inaugurated the kingdom at his first return, and he's going to be coming a, coming back again. Because mm-hmm. most people thought in the Old Testament, oh, there's going to be when the Messiah comes, he's going to do it all. Well, Jesus, there is a two phases to Jesus to the Messiahship. He believed there's a two phases to the return, and so mm-hmm. that's why he said there's this initial return where he just comes and raptures the church right. out, and then he's going to return later. Yeah. Again, we don't find that anywhere right. really in, in the scriptures. And when people say, "Well, no, look, read the first, for, you know, Thessalonians, where it says we're going to be taken up," yeah. Th- but what that's talking about is historic premillennials will believe. No, that just means that Jesus is going to. We're going to meet him in there and come immediately back down. There's not going to be this time period in between, because that Greek word that is used during that in that phrase is is a is a time. It's used to go out and meet someone who's outside the city and walk back in with them. There's, it's oh. not meant to be like there's a space in between. So huh. premillennial dispensationalism is, is the belief that that we have the church age. Yeah. Okay. Jesus is going the 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 initial return of Jesus, he's going to rapture the church out. Right. And and during that time period, uh Jesus will restore Israel back to himself. The 70th week of Daniel has to take place. And then um he will return seven years later. Is there anything not weird that there's nowhere in scripture that mentions the returns of Christ in two in two phases? Well, just like pl- it doesn't pluralize that. We're not talking about returns. It's like well, yeah. I mean, that's the problem, right? That's okay. the, uh, unfortunately when people read about the return of Jesus, some people they read into oh, Jesus is talking about the rapture. No, he's not talking about the rapture. Yeah. You have to think about. And one of the greatest arguments about against a dispensational viewpoint is. If the phases happen in two, if there's a two phase and we know there's a literal seven years, a literal seven years, then guess what? We do know when he's going to return. Once that, that countdown starts. Right. That's the, that's one of the greatest arguments against premillennial dispensationalism is that the moment that seven year tribulation starts, we know, we know when he's going to return then. I feel like they're just going to say like, yeah, but he's talking about before the seven years, like all the time before the seven years, no one knows. But that's, that, that's a false interpretation. Yeah. Right. Because when he's talking about his return, he's talking about the one singular return. The capital R return. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're, what you're doing is you're, you're doing eisegesis. You're reading the meaning into the text when you're saying, oh no, that's the first return. That's the second return. I'm like, no, that's not how people for the first 1800 years of church history interpreted any of that. And to me, I would say if it wasn't around in the first 1800 years. And Jesus is like, oh man, you guys have gotten this wrong the entire time. I just have a question about the legitimacy of it. Okay, so I I mean, it's like it's possible for new, like Martin Luther, sure, like like there 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 were helpful things, but that was a rediscovery of the of the original belief. Fair, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So, so what dispensationalists believe is that Jesus will return, and that there's going to he will Jesus will then reign for a thousand years, literally a thousand years. Mm And then after the end of the thousand years, 
um, then it will be a, uh, you know, the eternal state, the judgment, and then the eternal state. That's premillennial dispensationalism. Okay. Then finally, you have classical premillennialism. Again, this has been the prominent viewpoint of the early church. Again, first 300, 400 years of the church okay. really believe in this. And this, this believes in, we have the church age. We have Jesus, that the tribulation will be towards the end of the church age, but the church will go through the tribulation. Mm-hmm. That when Jesus returns, we will go up and meet him and come back down with him. It's going to be one act. It's not going to be, we're going to be raptured up and then seven more years, seven years, and then we come back down. No, it's, it's we're, we're up and then we're back. That feels weird. That's. I, I don't understand the why. Yeah. Well, I mean, why does it say that he will meet us in the air? Right. He, we talk, he, Paul talks about that. Hmm. So, so the whole, the whole idea is. When Jesus returns again in, Gen- in Genesis, in Revelation 19, yeah. he's got a sword. Hmm. Okay, so when he's coming, he's coming to do judgment. He's coming to, we know there's, it's going to be bad. Yeah. He's not coming to, um, he's, not, he's not coming to serve. He's not coming to die. He's not coming to sacrifice. He, he's coming to bring judgment on the world. I, I believe what he means is I'm pulling, my, I'm pulling my people out so that when I come to the sword, they're not going to be an end. There's in no way going to be any kind of uh, judgment coming upon them. So that's that's the that's the whole reason of him drawing them out of the world before he re- at, at, before he returns. Does but that make would, sense? But they would come back right away. Right away. Yeah. Right. But then wouldn't they then experience all the tribulation stuff? The no, no, no. Because the tribulation's already happened. Oh. The tribulation is not necessarily a seven-year period. It is just a time period of intense persecution. It's the thing that happens while they're up. This thing. No, 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 no. No, it happens. I'm the, sorry. I okay. keep on so not getting this. So, so the church in the in classical premillennialism, we believe that the great tribulation will happen while we're here. Okay. We're living through it. Gotcha. Some, some people call them post tribs, but Jesus, we will not we will not meet Jesus in the air until that we get we live through the tribulation, which okay? won't necessarily be seven years. It might not be necessarily seven specific years, okay. but it's going to be a time period of intense persecution. Yeah, we will meet him in the air, come back down, and Jesus will reign. Probably not necessarily a thousand years, but it's a it's a period of time to show like the reign of Jesus, and at the end of that will be the judgment, white what great white throne of judgment, and then the eternal state, new heaven, new earth, lake of fire. So those are the four main views. So Which Josh, one is yours? Um, I I lean most days uh, classical premillennialism, which is what you just described. As I just described, I I I mean, I just don't. I understand. I really, I think the two biggest ones that have the most theological merit and interpretation is amillennialism and premillennialism, hmm. classical premillennialism, um, because you really have to decide how you're interpreting certain things. Where I don't, where I see the least amount of scriptural proof is dispensational premillennialism and uh, postmillennialism. I don't, yeah. I see. So, for example, if I had a hundred dollars, yeah, that I was going to put yeah. down and say, what's going to happen? Yeah. I probably put, I probably put seventy dollars down on historic pre mill, okay. Mm-hmm. I probably put, I probably put uh, fifteen dollars down on all mill. Fifteen. Fifteen dollars okay. on on all mill. I put ten dollars on dispensational. Oh, fifteen out of a hundred. Sorry, I thought yeah, we yeah. got a thousand. Okay, no, no, no. Yeah, okay. So, so yeah. 70, 70, 15. 70, 15, 10 on on dispensational. Yeah. Just because it's how I grew up. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna just going to just give it just like- Just have a little bit. And, and let's be honest, don't you not want to be around during the Great Tribulation? I mean, there's a part of you that's just like, Lord, that would be great mm-hmm. if we weren't around, but it's it's going to be bad. Yeah. Uh, and then the last $5 I put in post mill, just, yeah. it's just like, just in case. So, so I appreciate how you're so not like confident you are, like, you know, exactly what's going on. The stuff is really confusing. Yeah. To your best guess, are any of these numbers we've been talking about seven years, a thousand years are, do you think any of those would be taken literally? Or do you kind of feel like all of these numbers might be? Yeah, that's or... that's that's what most all mill people, post mill people, and even some pre mill people would say. Yeah, these are not specifically; they're, they're not meant to be interpreted as exact numbers. Mm-hmm. They're, they're they are symbol. These numbers are symbolic of um of other. They're, they're making a th- it's making a theological point. Yeah, right. But I do think there's there's enough things in the Old Testament that deal with specific numbers that are specific and you're like, okay, I totally understand why right. you would believe that. Right. So I'm not I'm not willing to die on a hill whether they're to be taken literally or figuratively. Yeah. I see the arguments for both. Yeah. I probably lean more towards a figurative interpretation. Yeah. But again, if if I'm I'm not gonna die on that hill. If yeah. you're if you're like you gotta be a part of you, you gotta lead a church that has a stand on literal interpretation of these numbers, I'd be like, all right. This is such a non-essential. Yeah, yeah. To me, this is not this does not drive or influence a lot of what I do. Yeah. Again, going back to the previous episode, it's really about Jesus's imminent return. Hmm. That to me is what matters most. Because that does have implications of how I live my life. Hmm. So, anyways. That's the millennium. All right. All right. Uh, man, I, I I hope this hasn't been confusing to anyone. I know we just were throwing out notes. This is, this is why I love PowerPoints and charts, because when you're talking about all these numbers and times, yeah. it can get very confusing. And um, I think if you go back to the sermon I preached in August of 2022, yeah. August of 2022, you'll probably find a sermon I preached, I think it's in Daniel 2 is when I talked about these and I had the charts on the wall or on the screen, go check it out. I hope it'll be encouragement to you. But um, hey, we are we are almost done with eschatology. We got one more episode to go. Thank you again for joining us here on Life Talks. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit lifecharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.